grab your pens this morning. I'm going to be releasing my two rules to live by. You're blessed in that these have not been published anywhere. They have not been made known public. And so you are the first to receive them. You're the first with an opportunity to live by them. Two rules to live by. Number one, avoid green stuff except in liquid form. Avoid green stuff except in liquid form. Rule number two. So that one kind of takes care of the health, physical well-being sector of your life. Rule number two. Let's kind of deal with the budget a little bit. Rule number two. Don't throw away socks until three toes are showing. Don't throw away socks until three toes are showing. If you follow these two rules, you're going to be a physical specimen. And you're also going to be a wealthy individual. Rules to live by. But in all seriousness, you're probably not interested in my rules to live by. And so this morning, I went to the Huffington Post. The Huffington Post is a lot smarter than I am. And they did have the top five rules to live by. The top five rules to live by. Number five, drop resentment within. Good thing. Number two, four, let go of your need to control. I think that could be number one for some of us. Number three, see the positive in every situation. Number two, appreciate what you have. Number one rule to live by, according to the Huffington Post, be comfortable in your own skin. Five rules that probably a lot of people would agree with. A lot of people would say, those are good things. Those are good mottos for your life. A lot of people might even be happy to have some of those things quoted about them at their funeral. You might be happy to have someone say to about you, they were comfortable in their own skin. This morning in our scripture reading, we get to where the Apostle Paul is laying out the ultimate motto. He's kind of laying down the groundwork saying, hey, here is God's rule to live by. Now, last week, we finished last Sunday's sermon. If you weren't here, I'll just kind of give you a little glimpse and you can go listen to the rest of it online. But we finished last Sunday's sermon by saying, don't make the pastor lie at your funeral. Don't make the pastor lie at your funeral, but trust in Jesus today. Today, we're kind of reshaping it, and I'm going to encourage you to do something a little different. Now, I'm not trying to make this all somber and grumpy for two weeks, but more reality. Most people don't do this until the very end, if even then. I want to encourage you to do something. If someone was to get up at your funeral today and to finish the following sentence, what would they say? I live by blank. I live by blank. What would you want said at your funeral? More important than your funeral, what would you want your family to remember? What would you want the people around you to notice? This morning we're digging into Galatians chapter 2 and the Apostle Paul lays it right on the line and says that every human being, God's chosen group, the nation of Israel, Jews, now the nation of Israel was used by God as God's vehicle, you could say, to bring the Savior into the world. And so there is something special about the nation of Israel. We don't know why God chose this people group, now remember this, there was no Israel before God. So it's not like Israel existed and then God looked down and said, eh, looks like a nice group of people. No, no, no. God chose Abram and made them into the people of Israel. And so God 
chose a group and then made that group of people fabulous. And so they're God's chosen people. They were God's chosen people to what? Bring the Savior into the world. And so God is saying here in Galatians 2 this morning that, hey, every people group, God's chosen, the Jews, and then if you look with me up to verse 15, he says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Gentile sinners, what's that all about? The Apostle Paul is talking about two people groups. One, God's chosen nation, Israel. The second one is Gentile sinners was the way that they referred to people outside of the Jewish nation. You might say, well, that's kind of politically incorrect just to call someone a sinner because they're Gentile. We have to understand their perspective that they were coming from is that if you were outside the people of God, you were called a sinner. And Gentiles were outside the people of God. So it's almost like they're saying people sinners, those outside the people of God. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, all people, Jews and Gentiles, he's going to come here to make a big point. Look with me here in Galatians chapter 2. He says, are not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul is saying in Galatians 2 here this morning, he's saying, hey, every human being in history is made right with God through one means. That means is faith in Jesus Christ. And we're not going to recap the whole thing, but this is the whole point of Galatians. Especially in chapters 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul is making the point, hey, be careful. Some of you are starting to go the wrong direction. You know what's happened? Some of you have said you believe Jesus, but now you're starting to hear these other laws and rules, and you're starting to implement them. And so if you read chapter 2, the Apostle Paul goes into this whole argument about the issue of circumcision. Now, circumcision was something God instituted in the nation of Israel. It was a sign of his covenant with his people. And so when Jesus comes, and then Jesus ascends into heaven after his resurrection, the apostles go and start spreading the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere. And now they've got a problem, because as they're spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, they've got non-Jews that are hearing it. And these non-Jews are saying, "Uh, well, what do we have to do? And some of the Jews are saying, well, you've got to become a Jew to become a Christian. Now, I'm simplifying a little bit, but that's mainly what they're saying. Hey, to become a Christian, you first have to become a Jew, which means circumcision, it means dietary laws, it means observance of a variety of things. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, whoa, whoa, slow down here. We've already been through all of this. That is not required. One does not have to become a Jew before they become a Christian. And the Apostle Paul even says it a little bit franker, and I would guarantee you the Jews would be challenged by his statement here. He says, it's not just the Gentiles that become Christians through faith in Christ, it's the Jews. Look with me here in Galatians chapter 2. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ. Not just the Gentiles, people outside of the nation of Israel, but Jews are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the whole point that the Apostle Paul is making because he's saying this, hey, if it's not true, one, Jesus died for nothing. You can kind of see that as you read on in Galatians. But the second piece is this. If Jews are saved by works of the law and the Gentiles are saved by faith in Christ, you're going to have a divided church. You're not going to have one people group. You're not going to have one group of people that are God's. And so if you hear people talk about the specialty of the nation of Israel, 
if they're outside of Christ, the promise has been lost. Hear this very clearly. If they're outside of Jesus Christ, the promise has been lost. There's a lot of misinformation going on around today in our major news networks, churches, seminaries, everywhere, that people are saved outside of faith in Jesus Christ. It's simply not true. According to God's word, there's only one way to be justified or made right with God. It's through faith in Jesus Christ, whether you're a Jew or you're a Gentile. And so Paul's making the point, hey, it's all about this. It's faith in Jesus Christ. It's not faith plus something. He even says it earlier in Galatians chapter 2 about saying, hey, if you start requiring them to be circumcised, guess what? You're basically just throwing away all of Christ. Because now it's Jesus plus something. It's not Jesus plus something. It's Jesus. It's faith in Jesus Christ. And so the Apostle Paul is arguing here, saying, hey, it's all about faith in Christ. So let's go down to verse 20, where he kind of summarizes his whole point. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. And so the Apostle Paul is kind of making a summary statement there saying, hey, you know what? I was forgiven, crucified with Christ through the death of Jesus Christ. That was done once and for all. And now, as I continue on in life, I live by faith in Jesus Christ. I think the Apostle Paul, I don't think, I know the Apostle Paul would say this morning that God has one rule for humanity to live by. That rule is to say, I live by faith in Jesus. One rule. There's not ten rules. Some of you are like, well, pastor, there's the Ten Commandments. No. One rule. If you read the Gospels, turn with me there. I want to prove this to you this morning that this is not my opinion. Turn to John chapter 3 with me this morning. John chapter 3. Most famous Bible verse of all time. People paint it everywhere. John chapter 3. John chapter 3, let's start in verse 16. John 3, 16, this is Jesus himself speaking. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Crystal clear from Jesus himself, anyone who does not trust in Jesus Christ stands condemned before the throne of God. And somebody said, wow, wow, I thought Jesus came and Jesus was loving. Read there very carefully. Jesus was not the one who brought the condemnation. The people already stood condemned, verse 18, because he's already, does not believe They're already condemned. Jesus does not condemn them. They stand condemned. The whole point, very simply this. Faith in Jesus. Trust in Jesus is not God's A plan and there's B, C, and D. No. Faith in Jesus Christ is God's only plan. There's one commandment, one rule to live by according to the word of God. That is, I live by faith in Jesus Christ. So you're Probably not surprised, right? 
nobody surprised you this morning that you're being encouraged to trust in Jesus Christ. I, ho- I hope not. You've probably heard this before, right? Believe in Jesus. But we've got to be reminded of it. We never outgrow the need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Because what happens? The tendency of the human heart is to add. Some of you, I know what's going to happen when you stand up to hit a golf ball with a club, right? you got the exact same tendency. It goes right every time. Right? you had certain tendencies in our life. If you're cooking, some of you have the tendency, if you're cooking, what are you going to do? You're always going to add a little extra salt, a little more flavor. You have certain tendencies in your life that constantly dictate what happens. The human heart has a tendency for scorekeeping. The human heart has a tendency for scorekeeping. Why? Because it's clean. It's simple. And it gives you an idea of where you stand. And so the human heart is always going to say, Jesus plus something. Add something in there because what? It allows you to keep score to know where you stand. It also then allows you to what? Compare yourself to see how others are scoring around you. The tendency of the human heart is to always say, Jesus plus a little more religion requires something else, but it's Jesus only, faith in Jesus Christ. Now some of you are saying, oh, Pastor, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a lot of law in here. There's a lot of rules that God has revealed from heaven. Jesus himself has brought a lot of commandments. Well, you've got to come back in the next couple of weeks. We'll get into that. The Apostle Paul does that in Galatians because he knows the argument's coming. Well, what about the law? And then some are saying, well, whoa, 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 whoa. If, if you're justified through faith in Jesus Christ, aren't people just going to say, I believe in Jesus and just keep on sinning, do whatever they want? Guess what? The Apostle Paul hears that argument coming as well. And he says in Galatians 2, he says, certainly not. And then you have to come back in the weeks ahead to hear the rest of that story as well. So really, this morning's all about this. Come back the next couple of weeks. The rule that God has revealed and that God has made known to humanity is to live by faith in Jesus Christ. Well, what are the implications? What if you and I said, I want that to be me? I want at my funeral for them to say, he lived by faith in Jesus. What are the implications of saying we're going to live by faith in Jesus? Three implications of living by faith in Jesus Christ. Number one is this, and this might seem like we're going back to preschool, but this is where it starts. The number one implication of living by faith in Jesus is that you're going to know Jesus. If you're going to say, I'm going to live by faith in Jesus, you have to know Jesus. Most of us have lived the majority of our lives believing in a concept rather than trusting in a person. A lot of us do this. We believe in the concept of a God and the idea that there's right and wrong, and that at the end, you know, more of the right people are going to go over here and the wrong people are going to go over there. And we kind of believe in this concept or this idea that there's a Savior who's what? Going to show mercy and grace. There's a big difference between believing in an idea and a concept and trusting in a person. What the Apostle Paul is saying is, well, I live by faith in what? Not the Apostles' Creed. He's not saying, I live by faith in the Torah. He's saying what? I trust in Jesus. So to walk by faith, to live in faith, is to put your trust in a person. And then to live by that is to what? Continually trusting in that person. 
If you're going to trust a person, you have to know a person. I think, are we in agreement on this this morning? I need a little feedback. If you are going to trust a person, you have to know a person. Just kind of nod if you agree with me this morning. Or do I need to spend time arguing this point? Even if you want to get out of here early, just nod to your head yes. <laughs> you, you don't trust just anyone, right? You're like, hey, I was just wondering, could you come over and watch our house for the next four days? I saw you walking down on 10th Street there, and I thought, you know, we need someone to watch our house. Come on over and watch it. You'd be like, what? You're foolish. But when you get to know someone, what happens? You trust them. So to walk by faith in Jesus Christ is going to what? To know Jesus. Here's what's happened. We've turned faith into a one-time deposit in the Christian church. Here's what we've done. Come and accept Jesus in your heart today. Which again, I don't want to bash on this, but we do need to bash on this a little bit. Okay, Jesus is not asking to be accepted or received into your heart today. And then, huh, I'm good to go. I don't know how many times I've heard this. Well, I, I accept Jesus when I was 12. Okay, that's not faith. That's not trusting in the person of Jesus Christ. A big difference between one time in your life saying, yes, Jesus loves me and that forgiveness is a great thing. Big difference between that and saying, I'm going to trust in this person of Jesus Christ for the gift of eternal life on a continual basis. And so faith is not a one-time deposit where it's one and done, but faith is a continual position of saying, I trust this person. Well, this morning, I don't want to know if you accepted Jesus in your heart. I want to know this. Are you trusting in Jesus? Because if you're trusting in Jesus, that accepting in your heart thing just kind of takes care of itself. Are you trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Are you trusting in Jesus for the gift of eternal life? To trust Jesus, you've got to know Jesus. Implication number one, if you're going to live by the rule that God has for all humanity, you're going to have to know who Jesus is. Why do you think Jesus went around and said to everybody, hey, follow me? And then Jesus said to his apostles, he said, go and make disciples. Another word for followers are learners. Because what? Jesus wanted people to know him. This is why people can sit in church for 40 years and then one day the light bulb goes off. Goes on, I'm sorry. Goes on. Light bulb comes on. And they're like, yeah, that would be a bad thing. The light bulb comes on and they're like, whoa! I've been here for 40 years and didn't know anything. Why? Because they're going through the motions of believing in a concept and all of a sudden they're like, I can know a person. Jesus Christ. Jesus wants you to know him. He already knows everything about you. Or do you know Jesus? Implication number one of living a life of faith. Implication number two of living a life of faith. It's not a neat little box. Following Jesus Christ is not a neat little box. Now, for most of us Midwestern collared shirt folk, this doesn't go over very well. How many of you like things neat and tidy? Most Raise your hand. I know you. Thing. Light things neat and tidy. Everything kind of fits in a nice little rule. Everything kind of has a little place. Guess what? Jesus is not neat and tidy. How many of you want an easy answer to the question, well, should I, should I go to this wedding or not go to this wedding? I, you know, what's happening at this wedding? I, 
don't all agree with. And, and how many of you kind of want just a nice little rule? Don't attend any weddings with X, Y, or Z. Jesus doesn't work that way. And Christianity isn't that. Christianity isn't a neat little box where everything fits in. God didn't just drop down an encyclopedia and say, hey, I've got every situation covered. Just memorize this encyclopedia. It's messy. It's messy because we're not following a system of rules. We're following a person. Look with me. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. Don't take my word for it. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 11. Jesus is interacting and the religious leaders are starting to kind of have some questions. Jesus has had a little bit of popularity gaining now. And so people are getting to know this man named Jesus a little bit. Look with me, Matthew 9, verse 11. When the Pharisees, religious leaders, saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Okay, what's going on here? Jesus is doing some things that rub the religious people wrong. He's spending time with individuals that according to them, it's like, whoa, whoa. You spend time with them, you become one of them. You spend time with them, you are one of them. When in reality, Jesus understands it completely different. Just rubbing shoulders with someone doesn't transfer sin. Rubbing shoulders with someone doesn't automatically make you one of them. Following Jesus is messy. Jesus was often had negative perceptions of himself. Because what? You didn't always know what to perceive about him. On one hand, here he is laying down the law of God with authority. And on the other hand, here's Jesus. And he's interacting with all these people that no other religious leaders will interact with. It's messy, folks. And guess what? People are going to look at your life sometime and they're going to be like, I thought you were a Christian. Why are you doing X and Y? Well, they probably don't understand the whole picture yet. So there's going to be misunderstandings. It doesn't matter how you're perceived. It's how you're faithful to Jesus. And sometimes faithfulness to Jesus is going to lead to awkward situations. Because Jesus is messy. People are messy. It doesn't fit in a neat little box. Jesus doesn't give you a rule and says, Hey, retire when you're 64 and do X, Y, and Z. Some of you are going to retire when you're 64 and you're going to do X, Y, and Z and you're going to be faithful to God in that. Some of you are going to get to 64 and you say, you know what? I'm not supposed to retire. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and I'm going to do it until 85. And people are going to look at you and go, what are you doing? What what are you doing? You deserve something different. But for you, it's something completely different because Jesus hasn't laid down a specific rule one way or the other way. It's, it's messy. It's going to be messy following Jesus Christ because we don't have 400 rules. We have a person that we're following. We have an example that's been given to us in the Scriptures, and we've got a spirit who's been given to us to help us follow. But not everything is written out in black and white. Living by faith is not a neat little box. Living by faith is going to require moments when your own family is going to say, that's not wise. Why? Because when you're 55 and you decide to adopt a family of six, everybody around you is going to go, 
what, hey, what, what are you doing? The kids are supposed to be out of the house when you're 50. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense from a worldly perspective at all. But we're not interested in the worldly perspective. We're interested in the wisdom of God, the eternal riches. And so your own family is going to look at you sometime and say, hey, why are you having those people over to your house? Why don't you have us over more often? Well, we're having those people over because Jesus actually tells us when we're throwing a banquet, not to invite our family and friends, but to invite anyone and everyone. It doesn't fit in a neat little box. Jesus is messy. A life of faith is going to be messy. A life of faith in Jesus Christ requires us to know Jesus. Another implication is it's going to be messy. And the final implication of living a life of faith of Jesus Christ is this. You're not going to be like those around you. You're not going to be like those around you. Look with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, let's read a couple of sentences from a prayer of Jesus. John 17, beginning with verse 16. John 17, verse 16. This is Jesus praying. And listen to what Jesus has to say about what he wants from his followers. John 17, verse 16. Jesus says, They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they may also be sanctified in truth. Very simple. Jesus is saying, praying this. I pray that my followers would live in the world. Jesus doesn't want all the Christians to go to wherever and build a little castle and gather there. Jesus wants his people in the world, anywhere and everywhere. But notice what he says. I want my people marked by truth. Truth as revealed by God's word. And guess what? This means you're going to march to a little different drumbeat. This means that you're going to be different than the world around you. And here's a warning for myself and for all of us here. A way to test ourselves this morning is this. Do you look exactly like your neighbor's? Does everything about your life reflect the culture around us? If it does, it's a fair warning to us that we're not trusting in Jesus Christ. Because when we're trusting in Jesus Christ, we're going to march to a little different beat. People always wonder, they see my kids and my kids are singing, thinking they're always, they're always surprised. They're like, they're actually on tune and they're, they're actually on rhythm. And I'm like, well, what's the big surprise? They're like, well, we know your musical abilities. So, so you would expect what? You expect them what? To carry on what? The musical abilities of their parent. Same is true of us with Jesus Christ. If Jesus is our master, and if Jesus himself marches to a little different drumbeat, guess what? Us, his servants, his friends, are going to march to a little different drumbeat. To live a life of faith in Jesus Christ is going to require that we know Jesus. To live a, faith of, live a life of faith in Jesus Christ is going to mean that we're going to march to a little different drumbeat. This morning, the Apostle Paul has revealed for us in Galatians 2 God's one rule for humanity. 
that one rule for humanity is faith in Jesus Christ. Why do we follow these weird rules in life? These weird rules of see the positive in every situation, appreciate what you have. Not that they're bad, but why do we make them the main rules in our life? We make them the main rules in our life because we think by, by obeying them, we have life. We think by living out that standard, what's going to happen? We're going to have life. There's only one pathway to life. That pathway is through Jesus Christ. There's only one pathway to a status. That status is what? Being right with God. Justification. There's only one pathway. Faith in Jesus Christ. And so this morning, how about you? What rule do you have? I live by... Maybe we should flip it. Maybe instead of saying I live by, we should say this. What do I live off? What do I live off? Right? Some of you, you live off of coffee and donuts. Some of you live off the appreciation of others. Right? This is how you thrive. You thrive when other people appreciate you. It gives you energy. It gives you purpose. Some of you live off of moments of fornication. What I mean by that big Bible word is this. Some of you live off of impurity, of following any and every desire in your body, because that gives you life. Some of you live off of being in control, because that what? It means you're king. All of us live off of different things at different times. The Apostle Paul says he lives off one thing, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives through me. So to live by faith in Jesus Christ means to live off of Jesus. Very simply, it means this. To live off of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To say that Jesus took all my sin at the cross, and through his resurrection, he has given me all the hope I would ever need. That gives us purpose. That gives us life. Who are you living off of today? Or what are you living off of? Are you living off Jesus? Or are you living off the people and the things around you? There's only one rule God would have us live by. I live by faith in Jesus Christ, which requires us to live off the person of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Gracious God, we... Thank you for your word and uh, the reminder from the Apostle Paul this morning. Lord, we thank you for the gift of faith that you give us. And so now we ask that you would nurture that this morning, Lord, that your spirit would awaken in us a new desire. Pray that your spirit would awaken in each of us here this morning a willingness to know Jesus. Pray that your spirit would awaken in each of us this morning a desire to follow the plans, the person, the ways of Jesus Christ. God, I pray for each of us this morning that we could look to the promise of Jesus rather than the promise of this world. So God, awaken our hearts today. Capture us by this vision of life, this vision of faith that you've laid out for us in your word. And we pray that in the weeks ahead, God, you would teach us that your spirit would help us understand how to walk by faith and your spirit would mold and shape us to be people of faith in all circumstances, in all situations. God, we trust in your Son alone for your glory. In Jesus' name.
Amen.